back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am your host, as always, Scott McNulty. I am joined, not by Mr. Jason Snell, no, no, by someone better, Mr. David J. Lore. David, thank Why? you for joining me. Hello there. I might, I might be the mirror David J. Lore. We oh, don't know. That's right. We're not doing a video call, so I can't tell if you have a goatee or a uh, beard. I, well, I have a goatee. But the rest of the beard is hiding it. Ah, all right. <laughs> you're you're a secret mirror mirror counterpart. <laughs> uh, the episode that we are going to talk about is episode eleven, which just aired. I guess it's. I guess you still say that on uh, CBS All Access. The Wolf <laughs> Inside, which um, when I saw the title, I thought it was kind of a disappointing title. But having watched the episode, I feel like it 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 uh, reflects multiple things that are going on. So. I say, I like the title. Yes, I, I'm having seen the the list of titles before they started the second part of the season. Uh, I was pretty happy, but I've been waiting. I don't know how long. I mean, thank goodness for Deep Space Nine having some titles that actually had a little poetry, mm-hmm. right? All all of Next Generation and Voyager with you know the game, the deal. <laughs> The planet. Oh, just stop. Stop. You just need a noun, and then you've got yourself uh, a title for a Star Trek show. <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, that is not true, though. But this episode is exciting because, uh, well, it's new Star Trek. Always exciting. But also, uh, it has kind of, I think, uh, maybe three kind of uh, different sections that we can talk about as a whole i think there's the sure the stuff on discovery that's happening there's the scuff the stuff on the shenzu uh and then there's the stuff on the the planet that they go down to visit um and, and i guess they're really really two big things right there's the stamets happenings and the uh tyler slash uh secret klingon happenings uh, and that's right. We are their secret Klingon conspiracy corner is uh, out of the closets because it is in fact he is not a secret Klingon. He is just a Klingon, and that is further uh, evidenced by this episode where he, you know, tells uh, everybody. Well, not everybody, but everybody now knows he's he's no longer a secret Klingon. He is just right. A Klingon. <laughs> he's just a Klingon. He's just a Klingon, <laughs> and he meets himself, which is uh, a great. Uh, yeah. And I have to say. Before we even get it, I'm going to jump right to the end of the episode because uh, <laughs> last last week oh, oh. we we found out that there was a mysterious uh, reclusive emperor who was in charge of the Terran Empire, uh, and this episode uh, tells us that she's not all that reclusive and that everybody knows what she looks like, <laughs> which <laughs> well, I thought was kind of odd. But <laughs> I I was very happy because last week watching it. And I mean, when they started talking about reclusive emperor, okay, mm-hmm. fine. And they're talking about all the, you know, oh, we might run into mirror people of us. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, Michael, you're the captain of the Shenzhou. And as soon as they said that, I went, oh, so George is the emperor. Because that's the Aristotelian unity, right? It's, it's, uh, why else would Michael be the captain of the Shenzhou? Why else would the emperor trust burnham to go after Lorca, and why else would the emperor be so upset at burnham's death supposed death because it's giorgio and you were right 
And I was right, and Aristotle is pleased. That's right. I was not pleased because I still had hope that it would be Old Lady Hoshi. Um, but <laughs> it was not. But maybe we'll see uh, some kind – they'll go through the history of the emperors for some reason, which I doubt they will, and we'll see Hoshi. Uh, but that seems like uh, – they don't have a lot of time, so I feel like that would be a discretion. Right. That they don't right. particularly need to follow just to satisfy me, <laughs> but uh, I can hope. So yes, Captain Georgiou is not a captain. She is Emperor Georgiou in uh, the Mirror Universe, and she makes an appearance later on. Uh, although everybody on the bridge of the Shenzhou seems to, I guess they served under her. I don't know, but then none of well, them presumably. seem surprised. So, Pre- well, presumably she may she may still be reclusive and, and mysterious, except to her previous ship. I guess. And that is the bridge crew that saw her, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's not start at the be- the end, even though I already did. <laughs> Oops! Uh, well, Spoilers! Spoilers! The big thing, there are three large reveals in this episode. Um, that's, you know, two... Well, I, I think there's only one that's kind of a surprise. Uh, we Everyone pretty much, even though I was holding out hope that Captain uh, George was not the Emperor, only because I wanted to be right, uh, I, I knew... <laughs> That that made the most sense. So that was not too much of a surprise. Uh, this episode fully reveals that Valk is Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler is Valk. Um, not a surprise, um, but interesting. And, and Which, again, I was happy about because how many weeks ago I was like, yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and, but the third one, which was kind of surprising, is uh, Stamets and... Uh, and well, we'll just talk about it because the well, whole yeah. show is uh, spoiler. So he uh, <laughs> he's still in some distress. Tilly uh, decides to tell uh, Saru that she thinks it's not a medical thing, but a spore thing, and she's the best person to do spore things. So she does some spore stuff, and there's lots of techno babble, and it looks like Stamets is dead. Um, he's not. He revives himself somehow, and then we switch into the scene, uh, into the setting, which I assume is he's in the mycondrial my, my, my way or whatever. I can't even say it. Um, or mycelium. Mycelium. Or? There you go. The mycelium go. way. Uh, and he's just kind of hanging out and off from uh, stage right or stage left. I don't know. But from the <laughs> other side of the screen, in comes another Stamets in the uh, Terran Emperor Empire uniform. And he says, I was wondering when you would make it, or something along those lines. <laughs> and that was the end of the Stamets thing. And that was, uh, to me, the most surprising twist in this episode. I was, I was pleased to see that, because we'd seen, you know, when we saw Stamets saw himself in the mirror, and you thought, well, they're going to the mirror universe. And uh, now we see the man who was in the mirror. Right. Well, it's interesting that, that he has uh, picked up certain things right uh he knew like like tilly points out he called me captain Mm -hmm. Uh, he he somehow saw that and here i am now in a place where i am the captain uh so stamets knows more than uh, either he's letting on or he realizes perhaps yeah i know he he's hooked in and they they say that his brain uh is getting rewired by the spores and all the the blood in his body is going to to keep his brain active in this particular uh, part of the brain so that they can keep the the connection between the universes open and stable or something like that. Um, 
And so they, they say, so he, that gives him some insight, one assumes. And I, I am sure that we will find out because last episode he was talking about, uh, the palace and the forest. And I think this will all make sense at some point. Well, and that, that was something that was very interesting to me, the structure of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I mean, not just, I mean, the, the cold opening is 14 minutes. <laughs> yes. It I've is. never seen Trek do that. That's like a, that's like a Rockford Files. Where you, you have like 15 minutes before they give you the title of the episode and the, the credits and everything. Um, so th- that was interesting. And right at the very beginning of that, we have, uh, is it a fantasy? Is it a dream? It seems realistic at first. And then you see Stamets holding Culber and he's talking about the forest again. And suddenly it's like, oh, maybe this isn't real. Maybe this is something else, but we don't know what it is. And then they give you this jam-packed, action-filled, everything-happening-so-many-reveals episode that you might as well have forgotten that very first two and a half minutes. And I bet that two and a half minutes is going to come back and be very important later. Yes, and this is uh, interesting in this episode. Also, they decide, you know what? We can uh, zoom the camera around the ship and then go into a window a lot. Yes. I, yes which like looks that. cool, but they do it like eight times. <laughs> An exaggeration, but they do it a few times in this episode. And I thought, okay, someone learned a new trick in some kind of, uh, you know, 3D software or something because they overdo that. But yeah, the beginning, it's a weird beginning, right? Because, uh, we are with an, uh, an engineer of some sort who is trying to fix some, uh, electrical problem on, uh, the discovery, which we've never, like the last episode did not end with any explosion or anything. Uh, so I, right. I wasn't quite sure why the, electricity was out but she was fixing it and she just so happens to be fixing it on the deck that uh sick bay is on but sick bay is empty except for uh stamets cradling uh dr culber's body and and could this be the other discovery we don't know we don't know it could be i uh i have no idea because they look like they last episode they made the discovery look like the mirror discovery so right it could be we don't know there's so many questions so few answers but but it's it's beautiful just as a writer it's a beautiful way to structure this to sort of go here's this exposition you're going to need and then we're going to distract you it's very much a, a, a magic trick right it's it's smoke and mirrors it's like here's this little detail you're going to need stamets talking about the forest and holding culber and boom here's a whole episode you you don't even remember that happened but when you see it come back you'll you'll know you'll, you'll be like oh yeah they did uh, put that in that's right yes right? Uh, that's true. Now I don't even remember what happens after that because there's, there, <laughs> there was so much of it and so much happened in this episode that I don't quite remember, uh, well, when it, things it, happened. It goes right into Burnham talking about, uh, sort of, it's, it's not, is it narration? Is it, uh, her thoughts? Oh, that's we don't right. really she's, know. But talking about what it's like, she's only been there two days and already she feels herself changing. And right. how can she do this? How can she keep going on while it destroys who she is mm-hmm. in and real she, life. And this is the one level of the um, wolf inside, right? She is a wolf inside the Mirror Universe crew, and she is grappling with the fact that, uh, you know, in the Mirror Universe, her counterpart t- does horrible things, and she... I think in this, this voiceover, she says this, that she, that means that she herself, Michael Burnham, that she knows and loves, is capable of doing these things. Uh, yes. and so what's, what is the difference? What, at what point did they diverge? And what made this person 
who is me, capable of doing these horrible things, and me, who is me, uh, not want to do these things, but know full, you know, with the full knowledge that I am, in fact, capable of doing them. So it's, it's very interesting that she's, she's grappling with it. Also, it made me think, she's been on this ship for two days. Wasn't she su- just supposed to get some blueprints and then leave? <laughs> <laughs> what has she well, been doing? <laughs> that's, that is kind of curious. It's like, I mean, I mean, they make a good job of, uh, pointing out that, it's impossible to get through the encryption and to transmit info off the ship. Right. Which is a little odd. I mean, there, there's got to be a way to transmit info off the ship. But it's a, it's a useful excuse to keep them on the ship. Uh, but then they don't really seem to have an option for getting off the ship. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, we have to do this mission. Oh, well... And and if there's a way if there's a way to find a, a a method of brokering peace with the Klingons, well, we should try it. Well, first of all, you're in the mirror universe; it's probably not going to be the same thing. And right. second of all, get the frick <laughs> off the ship! You don't do oh yeah. So it's a yes. little a little odd, but I you know it's it happens because it has to happen for the rest of the house of cards right. they're building. I'm okay with that. No, I, I understand. And I did, once I saw, once, cause they say, oh, I've been on here for two days and I think, what are you doing? And then they immediately followed up with, well, I found the, the blueprints. I just can't get them transmitted. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Then right. that is a little right. undermined by the fact that Saru apparently can just call her up whenever he wants and, uh, <laughs> uh and they can have a chat, but that's okay. But I, I suppose well, it's, they it's have level Tilly. encryption. It's not a lot of information. They can't transmit stuff. That's right. But and, they can transmit a hologram. Graham. Well, okay. Uh, well, I don't know, but uh, they do have <laughs> K- Tilly or, or Killy uh, first, just in case somebody else is hanging out there. Uh, right. And Saru and uh, Burnham have this conversation uh, where basically Saru is saying, uh, "You know, give us the plans and figure out a way to do it." And Burnham's like, "Oh no, I can't. I don't know what to do." Uh, that is not at all actually what she says, but she just can't figure it out. Um, and that's when suddenly we get another call, right? And, and they say, "We found." You get a call from what the the Emperor's underling, some captain or another, and he's basically like, "We found the uh, resistance, the rebel base." Uh, which is it's, uh, what's his name? Who's he's been on? We've we've seen his real world, his real universe counterpart too. Oh, that's right. Right. He's he's a. Uh, colleague of cornwell's yes i can't think of his name but uh, yes there you go and he says we found the rebel base which is very uh star wars uh <laughs> and we want you to go destroy it and of course michael burnham says yes let me go do that but uh and so they do but then this is where she has the she says bring Lorca to uh or no i guess she goes to the agony booth to talk to him yes uh, and she's like hey what's up Lorca?" uh Dude, you look terrible. <laughs> he does look pretty bad uh, because all this all this time, well, uh, Burnham has been wrestling with these metaphysical moral quandaries and having some, ha- you know, uh, happy fun time with Ash Tyler. Uh, <laughs> he has been in an agony booth, <laughs> which doesn't seem well, great. <laughs> and and the irony being that you know she's kind of in a psychological agony booth it's uh, true. especially by the end of the episode well yes she uh she goes through the ringer in this episode um, oh god yeah but but lorca uh, more physical ringer for lorca <laughs> uh and he's basically he says we need to do the mission you need to blow up this base because that's what they expect you to do and if you don't then you are not only jeopardizing our lives but you're jeopardizing the lives of everyone in the federation 
in our universe, which, you know, is, is a very compelling argument. Uh, but this is when, you know, to, to your point, David, about structure, the writers structured it very well to show us that Burnham was already having this problem with, you know, how can I be, how do I know I am the best version of myself when I know that there's other, this other version of myself that does these horrible things and I can, uh, and it's so easy for me to slip into this role. How far do I go before I become her? Uh, and then, you know, this, this moment when she is told to slaughter people, she says, well, I can't do that because I don't, I'm still a Starfleet officer. I may have lost my commission, but I am still Starfleet. And so she wants to not do that. And then she also says, this is an opportunity for us to learn how the Klingons are working with other aliens, and maybe we can take this information, uh, which, spoiler alert, it is, in fact, not an opportunity for her to figure out anything of the kind, because <laughs> this whole universe is different, and the reason that they're all working together is because yeah. there's an empire of humans trying to kill them all. <laughs> which, you know, maybe just a little obvious, but okay, sure. Well, she's trying. Burnham she's trying. is just trying so much to think, I want to figure well, out this war. And it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, you've got the the refusal to destroy uh, a, a group on the planet, uh, which echoes the original Mirror Mirror. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely little grace note. And, and uh, throughout, you have lovely echoes of, of Burnham's. Burnham's main flaw as a person seems to be that she always knows better. Mm-hmm. And so she goes and does her own thing and sometimes it works and sometimes it backfires spectacularly. <laughs> and so far it's tilting towards backfiring spectacularly on, on the series so far. But is it though? Because this is what, so she uh, decides that she's going to not do what Lorca tells her to do and not do what the emperor tells her to do and beam right. down and talk to these, uh, what do they call them? The fire the like, Firewolf. Firewolf. I was going to say fire, firewolf Firefox. Is... They could have had like a, a Mozilla uh, co-branding thing going on. <laughs> well, and as, as soon as they said the Firewolf, I went, oh, it's the Torchbearer. <laughs> That's right. Which, you know, again, you've got that echo. It's lovely. Yes. Yeah, so she beams down. She takes Tyler with him, with her, I should say. And they, they look for uh, this base that is under active camouflage, which they don't know until they get there. But it is. They meet an Andorian. So everybody gets excited because it's an Andorian. Uh, I think that this Andorian makeup, I give it a thumbs up because they make the face a little more alien, which I enjoyed. Um, I don't think the antennas moved. I wasn't really looking at the antennas, but that's uh, true. I always enjoy a moving Andorian antenna. So hopefully they move. <laughs> uh, and there were Tellarites are there. So that's, you know, a deep cut for Star Trek fans, uh, and some Vulcans and Klingons. And then they go off to meet, uh, they have a little standoff and then they meet, the rebels, I guess, are very uh, open to bringing random people to their secret leader. Uh, so off they go to uh, <laughs> introduce these people to uh, their secret leader. Turns out that secret leader oh, is Valk. Oh. Uh, which is interesting because Ash Tyler is standing there uh, and he has had this journey where he's trying to figure out what has happened to him. Uh, and, you know, uh, in the last episode, Laurel tried to activate him. And, uh, it seems like she partially activated him, uh, right. but, but him seeing himself, uh, activates him further. So it's an interesting scene because they cut from Michael Burnham, who basically says she, before they go beam down, she's like, Ash, we are here to figure out 
how these people are working together. That's all we're doing. So don't attack them. And he's like, hmm. okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can do that. I can do that. It's, they're, they're kind of like, you know, she's the, uh, we come in peace. He's shoot to kill. Exactly. If, if we're going for novelty song references, which we always are. Uh, and, and then, so it's interesting to see, and they cut back between her talking to, to Valk and him, Ash Tyler, having these kind of flashbacks to, uh, to, you know, actually most of it we've seen already. And then they intercut some more where they, they film, uh, most of what we've seen has been, we've seen Ash Tyler's head, you know, strapped and well, his whole body strapped to a, a, a an operating table. And then they switch to, the same thing, but Valk is strapped into the table just in case there are some people who still don't quite get that <laughs> Valk and Ash Tyler are the same thing. Uh, and then even later in the episode, he tells her that he's Valk. So if you don't, by the end of this episode, if you still think he might not be Valk, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but he is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's pretty clear. It is. It's pretty clear. I, I do, you know, and, and the whole time with, with that, I've, I've had the, um, the Manchurian candidate in the back of my head and I'm just like, just show him the queen of diamonds. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> just, you know, boom. That, that would be perfect. Valk uh, is a fine upstanding person and, oh, no, wrong, <laughs> wrong thing. That's right. But now I want to, ooh, while we're in the mirror universe, and because there is the next moment uh, in this scene is uh, something that is an obvious echo of previous mirror universe episodes. Uh, but I have exciting news for this very podcast. We have our very first sponsor. Hey! We, I know it's exciting. While we are in the mirror universe, we have a sponsor because the normal version of this podcast does not have a sponsor. Uh, so it all makes sense. <laughs> Uh, and this is something I know David loves. Uh, it is, this in is fact, true. a tea company, the New Mexico Tea Company, uh, which are, are fine purveyors of the finest of teas. Uh, and I know, David, you love all kinds of teas. So I, I have a ridiculous number of teas in my house. I have teas from all around the country, all around the world. I, we, I mean, we joke about it. We have a wall of tea. It is, <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous. And if we see something interesting... We tend to go and pick it up. And, and of course, my dad lives in New Mexico. And when I'm out there, what am I going to get? Tea from the New Mexico Tea Company. I know. It's shocking, right? It is shocking. And the best part, you don't have to go to New Mexico to get tea from the New Mexico Tea Company. Now, I'm sure exactly. they are more than happy for you to come. Uh, but they also have a website where you can order tea and they will send it to you. Just right to your house. It's fantastic. That, that is crazy. And now my, I mean, I mean, I do that a lot, but that is crazy. <laughs> well, when you think about it, it's really crazy. Uh, and Jason Snell, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, told me that he buys all of his tea from the New Mexico Tea Company. Wow. Uh, he had a surprise uh, in his latest delivery because I it was, it was packaged, that. uh, or packed by a secret Klingon and shipped from the year, mirror what? universe. I know it what? is crazy. Uh, so, so the, I mean, the, the best thing is they all had goatees. That's right. They did. They, they are actually goatees. Yes. Uh, so here's now, now you've heard us talking about this tea. I'm sure <laughs> what you're saying, you're yelling into your phone or your podcasting device, uh, listening device of choice. How, how do I order this tea, Scott? Well, I'll tell you. How wait, you wait, order. wait. How do you order this tea, Scott? Well, thank you, David. Uh, you order this tea by going to, uh, nmtco.com slash tv that's nmtco.com 
slash T-E-E-V-E-E and using the coupon code Mirror Mirror at checkout and you'll save 10% on your order. Now, I know what you're saying. That's a fantastic deal, Scott. It can't that possibly. is a fantastic deal, Scott. See, I knew. I knew that's what you were saying. Right, right. And you, you'll say, Scott, how, how could this get any better? How could this get any better? Well, the, the <gasps> clever folks at the New Mexico Tea Company are also fans of Star Trek Discovery. And they're ah. going to increase the discount based on what happens in any of the episodes in the Mirror Universe. So if you go to the page that I mentioned, which is uh, nmtco.com slash TV, which will also be linked to the show notes, you can find out uh, a variety of things that happen that add to the bonus uh, uh, discount. Uh, and in fact, I can tell you right now, one of them is uh, Captain George Yu appearing as the emperor. So it's already more <sighs> now, than 10% discount. I don't want to say this is a spoiler, but maybe that's why you mentioned it at the top of the episode. You know, who knows what who knows? what uh, strange be. things go in my mind. It uh, could be. We've we've already forgotten the first two and a half minutes. <laughs> That's right. It was so so long ago. Uh, so that address again is nmtcode.com slash TV. And our thanks to the New Mexico Tea Company for sponsoring uh, Vulcan Hello. Uh, in, we love indeed. you. Indeed. I, I should say I am actually drinking tea right now. See, there you go. See. Now, now, speaking of uh, Vulcans and saying hello... Uh, hello. Hello to Sarek, who, uh, Valk is like, hey, Burnham, uh, it's great that you've come to talk to us. Uh, also, we know you kill a bunch of aliens and you're, <laughs> so I don't really trust you. Aren't, uh, aren't you the butcher of the binary stars? <laughs> I think you are. That's pretty, right. pretty sure. Pretty, you look like her. But I, I, just, I happen you know. to have uh, a friend who can read minds, uh, and we call him the prophet. So everybody, round of applause for the prophet. Yeah. And it is. It is the one, the only Sarek wearing uh, a, a goatee, goatee, which I think is fantastic. Because, <laughs> of course, we know the Mirror Universe Spock is famous for wearing a goatee. So famous, in fact, that even people who do not know anything of Star Trek know if there is an evil twin of you, it has a goatee. <laughs> I, I threw that into uh, a, a just like a one minute bit in a Timmy Preston episode of the Radio Theater where Timmy bounces into a mirror universe and meets the mirror version of himself. Now he's like a 12-year-old kid. And one of the gags is, how did you grow a goatee? And <laughs> then bounces right out. That's all you need to know. And so yeah. I, I say, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Sarek's goatee. And he, uh, so Michael Burnham, of course, not expecting uh, a goateed or a non-goateed Sarek has uh, <laughs> quite a, a reaction. And then he he does the whole mind meld deal to see if she is, in fact... Uh, on the level, uh, he sees a bunch of things that, uh, are from our universe. And, uh, he doesn't, well, Vulcans, you know, Vulcans play their cards close to their chest. So he doesn't really tell Vok yes. about yes. the fact that it seems like Michael Burnham is not from this universe. Uh, <laughs> but he does say that she has more human compassion than he has ever felt from anyone and that she means us no harm, which is true. And, uh, and that she wants to get back to a place of hope and mm -hmm. possibility or some such thing. Some, some such thing, yes. Uh, and Valk is like, uh, okay, I trust him. Who, who am I to not trust Sarek? He knows more than I in this area, uh, which I, th <laughs> I think is fantastic. Uh, and so he's like, uh, what do we do? So Michael Burnham tells him, I'm going to give you an hour uh, to leave here. Then we're going to you know, nuke you from orbit. Uh, and Valk says, great, let's go. 
And she says, no, no, wait. I, uh, I still want something from you. And Valka's like, you know, I have an hour. Tell me what she wants. <laughs> and this is where her, her plan kind of falls apart because she wants to know, well, how? You know, you're a Klingon. Uh, Klingons are kind of jerks and, uh, all about being Klingon. Um, and how are you working with these other aliens? Uh, and I noticed you're speaking English instead of Klingon. And, uh, Vox says, well, you know, it's illegal for me to speak Klingon, uh, thanks to your human, uh, Terran empire. Uh, hmm. and, and we're working together because, uh, you know, you're wearing the uniform of the Terran empire. You may not know this, but you want to kill all aliens. <laughs> you, you may have forgotten. You may, <laughs> you, you might have hit your head. We just, we don't know. Right. And so that's why we banded together, because if we don't, you will just slaughter us uh, all together. Uh, and Michael Burnham's like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. And while he's saying this... Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Ash is getting just a little bit more twitchy. He is. And oh. this is when Valk says, basically, you know, we are... Uh, we enjoy being Klingon, but it does not make us less Klingon to work with other people. And that is exactly the opposite of what Valk believes. And so that is the moment that kind of he snaps at One, Tyler. And he, and he mentions Kales. Kales. That's at the thing. Some that, point. Yes. And, and that's, that's like, that's the queen of diamonds. Mm-hmm. And then he, 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 uh, Ash Tyler, um, unveils uh, a fluency in Klingon that we had not previously known uh and he <laughs> and, says and a certain familiar voice too yes and that he tries to kill himself uh i.e valk the mirror universe version of himself uh and he fails and uh valk is upset but also doesn't kill ash tyler because burnham doesn't want him to well, it's all very nice and he's like okay well you guys better leave uh and she says you're right we better leave so off they go um they beam back to the shenzu although i did wonder because they beam back right from the the rebel base and you would think people might think that's odd but i guess not yeah, because the, that... their cover story is we're stealing stuff from there so and she does come back yeah. with a little memory cube or something memory pyramid sure uh with relay stations that will be abandoned long it's, before the intelligence is actionable it's an infinity stone it no <laughs> no uh and this is when then that all basically leads to the scene of michael burdom and ash tyler uh kind of hashing out what happened down there so what did, what did you think of this scene i thought well you know it's it's very theatrical i'm very much into one-on-one -on -one interrogations that flip right that's the kind of thing where it starts out being one one kind of debriefing and then just totally turns around because she's on him right mm -hmm. she wants to know what went wrong what happened why did you do that and he's finally piecing together everything else that's happened to him mm -hmm. and who he really is and he flips that on her and he takes over. He takes control. And that, I mean, that's, it's an acting exercise. It's a, it's a thing directors will say. It's like, you start with the power. You need to take the power away from her. Right. And the actors, that's, that's a strategy for getting through the scene is that you need to stay in power. You need to take the power. And, and that dynamic is really at work here. And it's, it's just, I thought it was a beautifully written, beautifully acted scene. 
I agree, and it's very uh, uh, effective because it uses, you know, we they use effective cutting and and a little flashback story of the scene so that we can see as the audience Valk basically remembering things that have happened and remembering what happened on the the bridge of the uh, the sarcophagus ship and Michael Burnham killing uh, his leader and. Uh, fighting him and he didn't remember any of this until you know this very stressful situation that he finds himself in yeah um, and i also enjoyed the way that that scene ended uh which we did not mention so uh michael burnham meets uh saru on the shenzhou well well the the right he's he uh we don't know if his Ash, name is this. well tyler tyler takes her phaser away from her and is gonna kill her mm-hmm. right he's holding her up against the bulkhead by the throat he does plan to kill her uh at and which point the saru. door bursts open yes and that is saru who we saw earlier we skipped over the fact that she met saru uh or his counterpart in the mirror universe he is a slave he was there he's basically like her her the uh, butler uh he gets her clothes <laughs> out he bathes her i don't know if butlers do that but you know what i'm saying her personal attendant M- mine always did but <laughs> uh and then she he she asks him in a, a nice scene, what's your name? And he says, slaves don't have names. Uh, and then she kind of slips and calls him Saru, and he's surprised, but she says, well, I'm just going to call you Saru. Uh, and that made me think, well, isn't that his actual name? So shouldn't he really be even more surprised? But is that not his name? I don't know. I was confused by that. Uh, but it engendered some uh, warm feelings from Saru, one imagines, to Michael Burnham. So he comes and he uh, throws Ash Tyler off of her because so we know many things about Saru. Uh, two of them are that he can run really fast and he is very strong. Um, and so that's what we find out that, uh, he throws, uh, Ash Tyler across the room and, uh, he also has guards with him and they take Ash Tyler away to be immediately executed. Because that's a, an attempt on your captain's life. That's grounds for immediate execution by transporter. That's right. A failed attempt on your captain's life. Uh, yes. Uh, if you succeed, that's promotion. But <laughs> if you fail, nobody wants you around. Uh, and this leads to, you know, Mike, this is in that scene, uh, which we skipped over. Uh, Michael Burnham says, you know, I, I fell in love with you. I am. She didn't even say that. She said, I am in love with you. And Ash Tyler I, says, I love I, you as well. <laughs> yeah. Which I, is I loved you. Very confusing <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> Uh, and so now she is in this, uh, sticky situation because Michael Burnham has to be her mirror universe counterpart, but she also loves this man who turns out to be this enemy of hers that she did not realize. And so one imagines she feels betrayed to her very core, uh, but also she needs to continue this charade so that she can not uh, you know, uh, potentially millions of people will die if she doesn't, if they don't get back to the, the right universe. Certainly her crew on the discovery will die. And so it puts her in a very difficult situation. Uh, and so, but I knew what she was going to do because I knew she, they can't kill Ash Tyler. Spoiler alert. They don't kill him. Uh, <laughs> uh but the, I did not see the little twist of, her using this as an opportunity to get the data to the discovery, which I thought was kind of clever. Right. Uh, right. And so she basically uh, goes up and says, you know, uh, do, do, you do you have, have anything to say for yourself? Mm-hmm. 
And, and I thought to myself, she's getting very close to him. I don't know if I would get that close yeah. to him after he tried to kill you. <laughs> and, and I mean, he's bound, but still. Yeah, he could headbutt her. Klingons yeah. love to headbutt people. <laughs> and and he, he uh, spits at her and says, the, the light of Kalos will let me see forever or see me through forever or whatever. Yeah. And, and then she punches him, which is when she slips the information into uh. his... Uniform, his, which his is too lovely. Yes, and then she uh, says, no, no, I am going to uh, operate the transporter console myself and kill him with my own hand. And that's the moment at which I knew she was going to beam him somewhere other than space. Right. Uh, but then the next the quick cut to him in space, and she's beamed him into space, and somehow I guess she's talked to the Discovery. It is unclear how they set this up so quickly, but I think it's cool. And then they beam him back to the Discovery and find the... Uh, plans in his pocket and uh, sent him off to the brig, which he's unhappy about because he was like, you should have let me die with honor. And Saru is basically like, he's like, nope, nope, nope. that we are still Starfleet. So you, sir, will get a trial. <laughs> we're we're Starfleet and this is going to hurt you even more. So <laughs> right. eh, it's kind of win-win. Everybody loves it. Uh, and now we still have, we don't know how. Well, no, now uh, we switch back to uh, the Shenzhou, right? And uh, Michael Burnham's on the uh, bridge. Or no, she's in the ready room talking to Lorca about all that's happened. And he basically is like, that's kind of tough luck about Ash Tyler. <laughs> I, I know you had come to care for him. <laughs> yes. And she's like, I don't think I can do this alone. And he goes, well, you're not alone. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm getting beaten up and electrocuted, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, and, and then, uh, well, then she gets a, a message from the bridge that there's another ship appearing. Approaching, oh, yes. And it's powering up. And what what it's going to do, it's going to blow up the bases because they haven't finished evacuating the rebel base. Yep. So they're all, well, we assume most of the rebels are dead. Uh, and this is when we find out that uh, we find out the emperor is making a call. And who is the emperor? We've already said. <gasps> Captain Georgiou or Emperor Georgiou, uh, and she is not happy with Michael Burnham. Uh, and, and the look on Burnham's face, which, again, might have, could have seen it coming if you'd had training in the Aristotelian <laughs> unities, but, you know, the look on her face was totally worth it. It was like, oh, oh. And, and, and that, was the, that was the other reason I thought that Georgiou had to be the emperor, was simply because who would be the most devastating person for Burnham to come up against as the emperor? It would have to be Giorgio. Yes. It, it, no, it makes perfect sense. It makes sense uh, for all the reasons you have outlined. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just sad because I wanted it to be Hoshi because I just – I, I still want – maybe, maybe Hoshi was her mom. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? We don't know these things. Um, and uh, that's the – we skipped over – that's pretty much the end of the episode. And it, you know, Burnham has to report to the Emperor's flagship to uh, do stuff in the next episode, yes. one imagines. Uh, well, based on the previews, yeah. Yes, there will be oh, yeah. many things happening. Uh, <laughs> and there are a bunch of scenes with Tilly trying to figure out – you know, Tilly and Saru talking and trying to figure out what's happening with Stamets, um, which I thought and, were nice. He flatlines. He does. Right? He does die. He's gone. And that's my the other weird thing about this episode, right? He, uh, they're trying to. Tilly says, "I can get him to come back." They're watching his vitals. Uh, it is. They are falling. It's clear that Tilly's method is not working. Uh, and it's nice moments with Saru where he has to decide: Should I let Tilly continue, or should I call 
the doctors because he's in charge, right? So he decides he makes the obvious choice, which is to call the doctors, and they come. It's too late. Stamets is dead. Uh, uh, but you know he's not. Uh, but then they just leave the body in the spore chamber. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little odd, but okay. It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, but then he comes back to life and, uh, but yeah, I just thought, but I did think, I, I point this out because A, uh, I think my two favorite characters are, who aren't Michael Burnham because Michael Burnham and is a great character and is being well, very well acted, um, are Tilly and Saru. And so having them talk to one another is exciting. And, uh, I think that they are, uh, Tilly could have been, and from the first couple of episodes where we had Tilly, they could have gone down the kind of the, the Barkley on TNG route where she was kind of the butt of a joke. She's the awkward person, but she doesn't. Always nervous, always twitchy. But yeah, no, they're, they've done such a beautiful job with her. Mm-hmm. And oh. they've given, having Captain, having, making her like this bloodthirsty captain in the mirror universe is fantastic. But then also, you know, you see her, uh, being awkward when she has to kind of bluff her way through that. But then, in this episode, when she is at the kind of the console and doing the spore stuff, she is totally like, this is her area of expertise. She is not hesitant. She knows what she's doing. She kind of wants to make Saru follow her orders, but then she has that conflict where she knows she can't order Saru around. So she asks him to do things and he's kind of like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just thought that was so well done that, uh, yeah. so I'm very yeah. excited to see what, what happens with Tilly, uh, especially since they, uh, very cleverly in the first, I think the first time we see Tilly, she tells Michael Burnham that her, she wants to, she will be a captain. And so, uh, that's, that's some good, uh, you know, of uh, character detail that comes to fruition much later in the episode. So, so what, what did you think of this episode, The Wolf Inside overall, David? I thought it was quite excellent. Um, and even though, even though, uh, the various things are things that I'm figuring out, in in well well in advance mm-hmm. um i you know i like it i like it because you know it's it's working out so logically and it's and it is setting up things that not everyone can see coming and and it, they're just so beautifully laid out and beautifully set up it is just some gorgeous plotting as someone who is not a big fan of the overly serialized show so, and this is certainly discovery is heavily leaning into the serialized nation yes. nature of it. So, you know, it's going to be difficult as someone who hosts a uh, podcast where we watch Star Trek episodes randomly to slot discovery in. Um, <laughs> I think they do a, a pretty good job though of having at least some kind of major thrust in the story kind of stand alone. So, um, but certainly it is meant to be watched in order. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you get the most out of it. But I agree with you. I think that they're, they're, this is a very good episode. It's kind of paying off stuff that we knew what was going to happen, but it's nice to see how, you know, I know there are a lot of people who are averse to spoilers and don't like want to be surprised and go to great lengths for a variety of reasons to not be spoiled about anything. I am not that kind of person. So I enjoy, if I know what's going to happen or if I figured it out, I enjoy watching kind of the gears and, and the, the machinery get me to that point and see how clever or not clever it was. Uh, and I feel like the, the writers of Discovery have certainly been doing, uh, clever things, even though, like when you said, even when I know I have guessed ahead of time 
what is going to happen. I enjoy seeing how they make it happen. Right. Which is the mark, I think, of a good TV show. And the mark of a good podcast is having David J. Lore on. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. And, and having tea. That's right. All the tea you could ever want. from All the, the tea in New Mexico. That's right. Delivered straight to your door. Uh, well, David, thank you for joining me. Oh, anytime. Anytime. And uh, live long and prosper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do what Vulcans, what do Mirror Mirror Universe Vulcans say? That is the question. I, that's a very good question. I don't. I don't know if we've established that. We haven't. 